Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Do you think increasingly companies are getting it or are they still seeing the opportunity to sell widgets to 1.4 billion people? Well, they better get it because he put a shot across the bow when he talked about Farah. And he said, hey, not only he used the word, remember, this is a very smart guy. He used collaborator and appeasement. Okay, collaborator, collaboration and appeasement. Those words were specifically chosen by Attorney General Barr to put corporate America on notice. Then he talked about Farah. He talked about you guys being lobbyists and actually being unregistered foreign agents. So this is something that he really threw down on. And I got to tell you, it was a magnificent speech. The other ones of the NSA uh, director of the FBI director of Pompeo also have to be reviewed in an entire context of where President Trump is taking this really, I think, as a war leader on economic and information war. What we have to do today is then stop playing games with the CCP. Stop being a supplicant about this virus. We have to tell them, I believe, you turn over every piece of information, you open up the P4 lab, you let Americans and other scientists from around the world go in there and interview everybody, get every document, or we're going to cut you off. We're going to cut you off from the U.S. dollar. We're going to sanction your banks, and we're going to sanction the highest members of the wow. Chinese Communist Party, Wan Xi, Shan, and Xi. We're, it's time for, President Trump's got a great saying, no games. It's time to stop playing games with this murderous dictatorship. Yes. They lied. The American people have died. Their own people have suffered wow. immensely. The Chinese Communist Party people, the Chinese Communist people, the people there are innocent victims of this dictatorship. Bill Barr called it out. Right mm. now, Secretary of State Pompeo is to say, you open up yeah. every lab and the Secretary of Treasury should come in with the backing of the President yeah. of the United States and say, we're off the dollar, we're sanctioning every bank, we're going to sanction individuals until you come clean and we oh, can get goodness. therapeutics and a vaccine and know exactly what this thing is. Listen, this thing being asymptomatic, this thing being impervious yes. to humidity and heat, this thing targeting the most vulnerable population, the aged, comorbidities, okay. minorities, this virus we know very little about, it's time for them to stop hiding the information well a very good morning to you it's monday morning here in the war room july the 20th year of our lord 2020 episode 289 of pandemic broadcasting live from capitol hill greg mans jack maxi raheem gassam on america's voice.news later on newsmax tv blown through the ccp's firewall subtitled in mandarin by g news and gtv and of course on the john frederick's radio network Speaking of somebody that isn't looking so impervious to heat, over to Stephen K. Bannon. Well, yesterday I was when I was a runaway train. I, I wanted it's to the start, tan. Start it's the deep tan. And thank Maria Bartiroma. I want to thank Maria Bartiroma for getting out of the way of the runaway train because I knew I had to cram a lot in there with the time left. But I want to go back to this. I want to play the other part of, uh, 
of uh, the interview also, because I think it gets down to what we're uh, what's most important here. It's not about the election in November. That's obviously very important. But this is about the country and what's happening right now, what's happening to us as a nation, what's happening to us as a people. And who's in back of this? Who's responsible? We're at each other's throats. Uh, and, you know, I don't mind heated political debate. I kind of enjoy it. But we're at each other's throats when the real enemy is the Chinese Communist Party. And that's what I tried to lay out yesterday. It's, you've got to finish playing games with them in that the managing of this kind of war plan that the president's put in place with what I called the the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the CCP. And that would be National Security Advisor O'Brien, FBI Director Ray, the Secretary of State Pompeo, and the uh, Attorney General Bill Barr. Those speeches over the last couple of weeks, you add on top of that, throw a fifth in there, Peter Navarro. If we only had the Treasury Department to kind of jump in here, we'd have this thing under control. But a very sophisticated, you know, economic warfare, information and tech warfare, and and uh, obviously in kinetic warfare, a very sophisticated strategy. The, the management of the a pandemic is just the other side of the same coin. And that's why I advocated. In fact, Raheem, if we got that teed up, why don't we play off of Maria's show um, yesterday, what I said about uh, pandemic uh, management, or at least engagement on this pandemic. Let's roll it. This is about just bold action, bold leadership. What I think the president uh, should do, my recommendation would be, every day start to have the top people around you, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the vice president, Dr. Redfield at CDC, uh, Chief of Staff Meadows, have them in the Oval, get briefed every day on an action plan, just drive action, 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 and do it through action, urgency, and focus. And, you know, get a plan for masks, you know, get a plan for the schools, bring the governors in. But with those five people around the desk and then every couple of days you bring the media in and you and you tell them what the plan of the day is. You tell them where we're driving action. Steve. You see, this is key. This is key, Raheem. <clears throat> I think, um, you know, I think that what the president's got to do, my strongest recommendation is you've got to engage in this on a daily basis. And you have to engage in this that only part of its messaging, part of it is just you're the driver of action. You're, you're the protagonist in this drama. Drive the action. The best way to do it, I don't think, is meetings with 100 people or you know, all these things down the situation room. That should be for Vice President Pence and the people who are doing the day-to-day management of it. But at some point in the day, and I would say kick off the day, you have the five principles. And that's why I think it ought to be Pence and Meadows, kind of from your staff. And it, it should be uh, you know, Burks and Dr. Fauci and Redfield. Those five, that's all you need. You get an update, you direct action. There's so much going on here, right? There's so much going on and so much that needs to be explained. Then the president can have the media in every day for a couple of minutes and not answer, he's not answering questions all over the map. They're trying to, you know, every day put the dagger in, but you drive the, the, the kind of force multiplier messaging by sticking to what happened that day and answering questions. Jack, is, as you and I talk over the weekend and go through all the notes, you see, there's so many things actually going on, but it's not coming out in, in, a, in a systematic way. That's what I liked about the war plan against the CCP, whether it's FBI Director Ray walking through that magnificent speech he gave that all the details of the investigations they've got underway and what they're doing to stop the CCP from infiltration uh, here in the United States, both political, economic, at the, at culturally, at the schools, at the weapons labs, everywhere. Then you had Barr's kind of summary of the entire, you know, took O'Brien's speech was the grand strategy, took Pompeo's speech was about our unalienable rights and also the things he's doing as Secretary of State to pull together this Alliance of Liberty. That has a coherent, you know, kind of whole nature to it. Now, 
it hasn't gotten the media play because the media doesn't want to address this. That's where you've got to force, you have to force that into the into the mainstream. You have to have a forcing function to do that. One of the forcing functions, the other side of the coin on the CCP virus, is to have this engagement, but to do it in a way that you're driving the action. Look, one of the things I repeated twice yesterday, or repeated on the show, uh, on Maria's show, was about the nature of this virus. Remember, I was not under pressure, but a lot of people came to me back in April and in, uh, in May and said, hey, maybe it's time now to change the name to War Room 2020. And we have some of the guys in hashtag War Room Pandemic. Oh, oh, you got to talk about 2020. This is 2020. I kept telling you people that, look at the polls. This is 2020. It's about the handling of the pandemic, the economic crisis that's triggered, the economic inferno, the, the financial crisis on it. Ju- uh, uh, Senator Judd, uh, Greg has got a, a, a really tough piece in the Hill today saying the dollar's going to go to 60 cents. You have this huge uh, debate that's going on at Capitol Hill we're trying to try to get to a little later in the show about the bid and the ask on this next bridging economic uh, package is kind of the last spanning works as we've been talking about on uh, through the you know over the gulf of the crush of aggregate demand. But even that's difficult. There's some great stories over the weekend that what uh, Steve Cortez has been talking about all the time is about people getting, you know, their salaries cut, getting fewer hours, or actually have to take less pay. They kind of keep employed. That's going to have a major impact. My point is that these things are inextricably linked, but it's around this confrontation with the Chinese Communist Party, and it's around this virus. And the last point, I want you guys to jump in here. I think this came up in Pompeo. Pompeo was very adamant last week about telling the Chinese they had to turn over all the documents and get full access, and they hadn't done it. And we heard that WHO and other people are negotiating to get in. We got to stop that. This, to me, is as important as Hong Kong. We have to sit there. I think tell the Chinese you got 72 hours, 72 hours, and then we want an international consortium. WHO can be part of it, but it's got to be different than WHO. The Americans, the British, the French, international consortium. Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, India. You get you get a Japan, the best in the world. The the the, the you know the dream team. They have to get full access to Wuhan, to all the P4 labs. They have to get full access to the scientists. They have to get full access to the data. They have to go to Hong Kong University, where Dr. Yan came from. They have to get full access to all the scientists there, including the scientists that have kind of retired in the last four weeks, mysteriously retired, and gone home to Sri Lanka. Everybody's got to be interviewed, all the data access. And if they don't do it in 72 hours, you got to break you got to break the convertibility of the Hong Kong dollar. You have to, I think, cut them off from the dollar. I think you have to sanction the banks. I think you have to bring down the hammer. There's something going on here. You know, this thing back in the spring, uh, Jack, when in April and May, when people are talking about, oh, you know, we got to worry about a second wave. I kept saying, hey, I'm not so sure through the first wave. I never bought into the thing, uh, into the idea that this was just going to go away and disappear in heat and humidity. But I didn't know to the degree that it would be this robust in heat and humidity. You know, there's something about this virus we got to get to the bottom of, right? It's impervious to heat and humidity. It's asymptomatic in its spread. It, it kind of targets, uh, you know, vulnerable populations like the elderly, comorbidities, minority communities. So there's something about this that we got to get to the bottom to. And every day we're just going along asking the Chinese Communist Party nicely, hey, we'll negotiate. Can we send a lot of guys to Beijing and maybe one guy down from WHO that you own as a wholly owned subsidiary? Send one of those guys down there? No. It's time to stop the games. It's time to stop the happy talk. 
We have to drop the hammer on the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, they're in back of this. They, it, regard, regardless of whether it was a weaponized bioweapon, which I think the jury's still out on, we have to find the information that. We know through the chain of title that, uh, of their decisions that they hid this. And we also know that they were, they were open to have innocent Chinese people go around the world as spreaders unknown, unbeknownst to themselves. And so there's just, as this summer goes on, and this continues to increase in the United States, tough questions have to be asked. And I think now's the time for not just tough questions, but action, action, action. We need to, we need, we're Americans. We gotta get on top of this thing. And one of the ways we get on top of it is holding the Chinese Communist Party accountable. Jack? Uh, well, Steve, Raheem, what was Greg, so interesting about what you're saying is, first of all, this is an illustration of why the world cannot trust the Chinese Communist Party. It's been clear for everybody. But also what's very interesting, when you talk about dropping the hammer, I was watching a, an episode of NTD, uh, New Tang Dynasty TV last night, and they were talking about the reaction amongst the Weibo listeners when it was announced that maybe the president would put a lockdown on all the CCP members in China, declare them unable to travel, not transfer money, etc. Apparently, Weibo went crazy with absolute support for Donald Trump. They were calling him the new minister of anti-corruption for china the average old 100 names knows that this is against their leadership and not them there was thousands and thousands they couldn't keep up with the uh, the attempt to remove these comments there was so much support amongst the chinese people that would have made a great story had you got it to us hang hang on for a second guys guys this is the key point the chinese people support this the Chinese people know that they're ruled by a, a bunch of devils. The leadership of the Chinese Communist Party is devils. President Trump, that was a leak last week, and I think it was a leak by people in the apparatus that are, are friendly to the CCP that don't want to see it happen. They think it would be so controversial that it, wouldn't, that it would never happen. That's why it got leaked. But this is something President Trump, but look at the support in Weibo uh, from, uh, from, from the Chinese people saying this is great. The tougher we are on the Chinese Communist Party, the the happier the people of China are. The Chinese people, Lao Beijing, yeah. they want this to happen. Remember, they don't know what they don't know what the the cause of this uh, 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 virus is. Steve, we yeah. got to we got to we got to jump to a break. I feel like Maria Bartiroma here. Steve, we got to jump to a break. Uh, we'll be right back with more War Room Pandemic hashtag War Room Pandemic. Also, I'm going to put you on the spot, Steve. A lot of people in the live chat asking. Why should Fauci be meeting with the president every morning? We'll get your remarks on that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, welcome back to the War Room. Greg Mans, Jack Maxey, and Raheem Kassam here on Capitol Hill. Over to Stephen K. Bannon. Look, in turbulent times, every entrepreneur needs access to every tool in his toolbox. The tool you need is a software package that pulls it all together. That's NetSuite by Oracle. Oracle's number one in the cloud. NetSuite's number one among entrepreneurs. Go to netsuite.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, today to get the seven action steps every entrepreneur should be focused on during this crisis. Back to you, Raheem Kassam. 
Well, Steve, um, a lot of people in the comments section with a lot of questions. I want to get into those in a minute. But the big one coming out here right now, Greg, is where is your NRA hat? You know, I thought about making a change in the, the hat department recently. That's not the only change you're making, though, right? It is not. Go ahead. Um, so I will be joining Jason Miller's office on the campaign starting this week. Wow. Congratulations to Greg Mann. Steve? Yeah, congratulations. The War Room le uh, loses another one, another great asset to the uh, to the campaign. Uh, Greg Manns, I can't speak uh, highly enough about him. He came in through uh, through Jason Miller and Al Alexander Priat as a guy up in Pennsylvania on uh, 16 that got things done for us in the uh, in that great come from behind win. You know, Jack Maxey in 18 ran the War Room day to day, but as he became more of a media star. And, uh, and took a more prominent role in the day-to-day -day of the show. Greg came in, stepped in early on during impeachment, I think the first or second week of the show, and really took over the day-to-day -day running of the war room. So we're gonna have to train folks up. It's a huge blow to the show, but a great uh, great thing to the, uh, to the campaign. And so, uh, Greg, congratulations, or I should say condolences. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yes. and uh, you know, have a great run over there. Yep. Well, well, the Thank war room's not going anywhere, so we'll be around We'll be around. Uh, we'll be around. If you don't take a job in the uh, in the second term, we're here for you because yeah. you did, did a fantastic job, and you know we're going to miss you. Yep. Thank you for those kind words, Steve. It's been an honor to be part of the team. Yeah, and we've we've really enjoyed having you, and you've done some amazing work here, Greg. Honestly, um, and you know, then there were three, ladies and gentlemen, and it will end up as me, Jack, and Steve on the Lido deck playing shuffleboard at some point. <laughs> Steve, I want to put the other question from the live stream to you though. Why Fauci? The, the the people, Trump's base, they really don't trust this guy. You know, I tweeted yesterday the same thing I said to you guys. Dr. Fauci is to public health what Jim Comey was to law enforcement. It's not a compliment. Why should Dr. Fauci be in this team that you're recommending go and brief the president every morning? Well, look, as the president said on, on uh, Chris uh, Wallace, you know, although he thinks he's alarmist sometimes, he's a core part of his team. He's got a good relationship with him. I think just the reality is right now, what I would do is make Dr. Fauci there and, and, and make him an integral part of the team with the president, not a pundit. Right now, what's been allowed to happen is, is Fauci's a pundit. Let's go to the let's go to that New York Times, that that definitive piece. I mean, the two people got thrown under the bus were Dr. Burks and Mark Meadows. Right. I'm not so sure that's actually the accurate story, but that's the way that story was written. The two people, Dr. Burks uh, took the hits and, and Mark Meadows took the hits. I'm not so sure that's quite accurate reporting. And, I, you know, I saw Dr. Fauci's in others' hands to the trained eye. You know, you saw people's hands all over that. No, I think for right now, what I would do is is have those people around the desk with Redfield at CDC, Dr. Burks, uh, Vice President Pence, who's head of the task force, and they should be doing their daily stuff anyway. But the president gets brief principles only with Meadows, five or six people. The media's brought in. The president tells them what to do. And look, what you know, the media loves... Fauci so much the mainstream media loves Fauci. I'd, I'd give you, I'd give him a Dr. Fauci suppository every day. You like Dr. Fauci? Here he is, but he's directed. He's not out there as a lone rager going rogue all the time. He's directly reporting to the president as he should. Although he's not, look, he's not the head of NIH. Uh, Dr. Collins is, but Francis Collins. But he's he's on the team, and I think for right now he's an integral part of it. And I think, look, the president said he backs him. The president says he has a good relationship with him. Uh, and uh, and I look, I agree with Peter Navarro's assessment, which is really our assessment is Dr. Fauci has been too much of a pundit, has had too much, uh, has not brought up data and science. But I think integrate him into the team. If it doesn't work, then 
and you can show the American people and you show the mainstream media that, hey, we gave this guy every chance to be an integral part of the team as a principal, you know, working directly with me every day. And I think the key here is every day. It's got to be every day because the pandemic, remember the subsets of the pandemic are the economy and the financial capital markets. And right now you're gonna have this massive fight on Capitol Hill. And we're talking about numbers that are inconceivable before trillion dollars to three trillion dollars to bid in the ask. That's all gotta be woven into when are the schools gonna open? How are we gonna go back to the, you know, opening rapidly, safely and smartly? What is the plan? You know, to, to get away from the confusion and the kind of the fog of war. The, this is the point I'm trying to make. The fog of war is lifted on the Chinese Communist Party. Barr, Pompeo, Ray, Navarro, um, you know, O'Brien. You're seeing something there that is every bit like Reagan brought all the forces together of economic warfare, technology with Star Wars, the defense budget with, with uh, the economic warfare, confronting the Soviet Union all over. He converged many things to take down the Soviet Union. You see the exact same plan coming together here with our allies, Japan, et cetera. Let's get the same clarity, the same clarity on the pandemic side. You have to be engaged. You know, the people who said this wasn't gonna be about this, we could just talk to economy. Hey, guess what? You were dead wrong. Not kind of wrong, you were dead wrong. And I take a lot of pride on this show that we stuck with this thing to say, hey, because any opening of this has got to take this as an element to it. You can't have some transition to greatness. You, you, you have to focus on this and then you transition. And that's why I think they have to be around the table. And I understand he's not a fan favorite of the deplorables. He's certainly not a fan favorite of ours. We're the ones I think have done the most sophisticated, um, uh, not attacks on Dr. Fauci, but the most uh, astute observations from very early in January we were on Dr. Fauci's case in January and early February. We're not on his case in June and July. We're in his case six months ago for exactly this. But I think you got it. He's look, he's part of the team. He's got the ratings and President Trump's very astute to ratings. He's not going anywhere for right now. It would cause much more mayhem if, if, if that happened. I think you got to embrace it. And like I said, I think you embrace it, but I think you control it and you make sure he's giving you data and analytics and not being a pundit. Jump in here, guys, because I, it's it, the, it, with the deplorables, we're having a partner's conversation today. Yeah, Steve, um, I, I think that's the thing. When we were talking about this yesterday, I couldn't understand like the, the logic behind it. You explained it to me like that, especially the finer point of sticking the Fauci suppository uh, where, the, where the media's uh, sun don't shine. Actually, I think could be quite effective. And I can see in the live chat, you haven't won over everyone, but you have won over some. Jack Maxey, any thoughts on this? Well, I think that the one thing we need to hold Fauci to is what we've always talked about. And you, Steve, you reiterate it every day, and I guess we should reiterate it every day. He's got to give us raw data instead of talking off the cuff. Like the other day when he mentioned that, you know, we... New York did the greatest job of any place in, in the whole country. This is just insane. New York has the second highest global death rate behind New Jersey of any place on planet Earth. If it was his own country, it would be, have the second highest behind the state of New Jersey for the whole world. Mm. And Fauci's out there saying that they did such a great job and everybody should follow their model. I, I sometimes don't understand what he's even trying to say. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's raw data, but I think it's data with his judgment, right? What, what, what he thinks, just not being a pundit off the top of his head. Like the perfect example 
being New York. So I do agree with you, Jack. But I think you've got to you've got to draw him in. Look, let me just go back some basic numbers. This is not astrophysics. When the president was fully engaged in this after the bold moves of China, Europe and declaring a national emergency, his numbers were 51 percent approval by the American people as handling a pandemic. I think the number today is 36. OK, that's a 15 point drop because I believe they're looking at the disengagement. Right. And it's not just from the not just from not having the press conferences, which I realized I thought got out of control, too, because the media was taking so many cheap shots on marginal topics. But at the same time, in the second quarter of this year, we had the greatest percentage increase in the history of the stock market. He dropped another eight points in the poll. Mm -hmm. What people are focused on is not the stock market. We all want a robust economy and they want a robust economy. What they're focused on is the pandemic is inextricably linked with our American way of life. And that would obviously be the schools, football, all the things we do, going to the beach this summer, enjoying your family, inextricably linked with the economy. We're having, look, this week on Capitol Hill, everybody's back to what? Fight over the, the last of the supposedly spanning uh, segments to the, to the economy, we don't even know that. That's why it's got to be engagement. And yes, I would give the media every day a Dr. Fauci suppository. Steve, just before we break, and, and do you want to announce our next guest right here? Yeah, yeah, I think we've got through the uh, good officers of Vishboro, got a great guest, Colonel uh, Alan West, just been elected the chairman of the uh, GOP in Texas. Texas, hopefully not a battleground state. It won't be with Colonel West. He'll be up next. Well, we'll we'll get to Colonel Al West in just a second, but I want to raise for you in the 90 seconds we have left in this segment, Steve, this new report coming out of the Daily Telegraph in the United Kingdom late last night. Lockdown may cost 200,000 lives. Government report shows more than 200,000 people could die from the impacts of the lockdown and protecting the NHS. People will remember a lot of the British strategy surrounding this was about protecting the NHS. The health service that is supposed to protect Britons, it was actually flipped on its head and it was advising Britons not to use their national health service, not to get the health care they required as a result of this lockdown. Now, we've had, I think, 45,000 deaths in the United Kingdom as a result of the coronavirus. They're now saying um, that another 200,000 may die as a result of the lockdown. That's because of people waiting for endoscopies, people waiting for can- other cancer treatments, people waiting um, for uh, heart disease treatments. And, and, and the, and the quote-unquote good news that the Daily Telegraph says is that there have been approximately 200 to 500 fewer road and air pollution-related deaths. Well, what's really frightening about this study, this too, is why you get into it, Steve, is 35,000 may die of cancer in this year because of lack of early treatment. We'll get into that more after Colonel Alan West joins yes. us, Steve. We've got to go to a quick break here. Hashtag War Room Pandemic is where you can have your say in the YouTube live chat on the Facebook live stream. We follow all of it. Don't go anywhere. War Room Pandemic returns. With Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. Greg Mans, Jack Maxey, and Raheem Kassam on Capitol Hill. Over to Stephen K. Bannon. The action is shifting back to Capitol Hill this week with this huge fight over this next phase of the economic stimulus or relief package. We're talking about between a trillion and three trillion dollars. 
you know when we're talking numbers like this and the federal budget blowing up, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve blowing up, we're in turbulent times. The people there at the vanguard, they're going to see us through this, are entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur, you need every tool available in your toolbox. The number one tool is NetSuite by Oracle. Remember, Oracle's number one in the cloud. NetSuite's number one with entrepreneurs. Whether your company's one million in revenue to 100 million in revenue, you need NetSuite today. Go to netsuite.com slash Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to get your seven action steps every entrepreneur should be taking. That's NetSuite by Oracle. Raheem, thank you very much. I want to turn now uh, to uh, a colleague, a friend, uh, a mentor, a guy that we've looked up to for many, many years since he was one of the uh, the leading voices in the Tea Party movement, Colonel Allen West. Colonel West, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, Steve, thank you so much for having me. Good morning to you. Colonel West, uh, I want to thank you. I know you were go heading down to the wall that we built down in uh, that segment in El Paso when you had that terrible motorcycle accident, everybody was praying for you and, and hoping you pull through. You really did. Uh, you won a massive victory over the weekend. You're now chairman of the Texas, uh, the Texas GOP. Yes, uh, and again, thanks to everyone for their thoughts, their prayers and well wishes. Uh, it was less than two months ago. I had that catastrophic motorcycle accident on I-35 and you know, not too many people walk away from a 75 mile per hour motorcycle accident. Uh, on an interstate. So God's grace saved me. And I want to just thank God for the victory that we had at uh, 0300 in the morning uh, this morning. And now it's, it's about getting to work to make sure that we can hold on to Texas so that we can hold on to this great nation. Well, it, it, Colonel West, I want to talk to you about that. It's the reason we're so honored to have you on the show the, the day after you won is that, um, you know, we're in a dogfight right now. And Texas has always been something we could count on. One of the great things I think about the Texas GOP uh, electing you, uh, regardless of what people think of your of your personal conservative philosophy versus establishment, you're a fighter. You don't give up. I mean, that's one of the things I've always admired about you. You're a fighter. You will not surrender. You will not stop. We're getting reports out of Texas that this could be a dogfight in the fall for uh, for uh, for President Trump. Tell us what the reality is, and particularly what our audience. Remember, we have a massive, deplorable audience here. That I know you love and care about. What, what can what what's the reality, and what can our audience do to help? Well, what we have seen is the exact same thing that the left has been able to do in other uh, very strong, successful red conservative states. They come in, they take over the major population centers, and of course, that's where you see the greatest amount of failure of the progressive socialist left policies. So, I think the most important thing that we have to do is take that conservative message into the communities that are conservative in nature. Uh, my first trip this weekend will be down along the border in the Rio Grande Valley because we have to put the other side, the Democrats, on defense. We have to challenge them. Another one of the things that I'm uh, seeking to do is I've already sent out in the press release a challenge to the Texas Democrat Party chairman for a series of three debates. I am sick and tired of Republicans being on their heels, being on the defense, always being reactionary with a party that as we see right now, they don't stand for the rule of law, they stand for the rule of the mob. And if there's one place where we can be successful and make that stand, is here in Texas. But yet we have seen, once again, that they have come in here to the great state, the Lone Star State, and take over the major population. I think we're having some technical difficulties here. We'll try and uh, try and restore that connection to Colonel Allen West. Colonel West, do you hear us? I hear you very well. Uh, we lost you just uh, for the last 10 yeah, seconds. Yeah, I hear Colonel West. Right. Go right ahead. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that, again, when we see, you know, so many people that are moving their businesses and individuals moving from California, Illinois, New York, and New Jersey, it's very simple. We have to ask them to stop looking back and bringing those failed policies with them. Steve? Colonel West, what, what, what help do you need from the deplorables? How can we be of assistance? How can our audience, you know, we, we've turned this, we're not a talk radio show. We're not a, we're not a talk cable show. We're an action center. We're a war room. Uh, these people are here to have your back. T tell, tell your troops what you need from them. Well, I tell you what, it's all about the resourcing for the fight because, you know, I want to see us get our message out. That means to run independent expenditures, commercial ads, online ads. I want us to get our message out on billboards and on the sides of buses. So that's one of the great returns on investments that we want to have here in Texas is to have people invest in our message. And I think that we can develop the blueprint by which we push back on progressive socialism in many of these other red states and states that also used to be red states. How tough, how tough you think in the fall is it going to be for President Trump to carry Texas? Well, I think that if we go on offense, it's not going to be hard whatsoever. I think that what the left wants to do is the same old Saul Alinsky tactic, is to focus on the person and demonize and attack the person. What we want to do is shift the narrative to the policies. We want people to think about who, whose policies have been better for you, better for your families, and better for, like I said, the growth, opportunity, and prosperity. Who are, you know, is out there talking about tearing down monuments and defunding police and allowing the mob to come in and destroy businesses. I have not heard any single Democrat leader, especially here in Texas even, to stand up against the mob, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, which is an oxymoronic name in and of itself. Colonel West, how can people, and by the way, we want to make sure we're interviewing you next week when you're down on the border live, but how can people get more access to you? What's your Twitter handle, the webpage they need to go to, how can they contribute, how can they help you in your new chairmanship in the GOP of the Lone Star State. Well, please go to the website for the Republican Party of Texas. Uh, you can still follow me at, at Alan West and also on Instagram and Facebook. But uh, follow us. You know, we've got to get into the office and start establishing our social media handles through the Republican Party of Texas. But uh, one of the things I'm going to do is shoot an initial video and get it out across YouTube to talk about the call to arms and the call to action to make sure we hold on to the Lone Star State. Colonel West, thank you. I know you're busy today. Thanks for carving out this time to, to join us here. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, and thank you so much. Anchors away. <laughs> oh, what a heckle. Uh, Colonel West, what a, what, a, what, a, what a fabulous guy. The Texas, I tell you, the folks down in Texas are so lucky to have uh, Colonel West down there heading this up. I know it was a tough fight for that GOP uh, chairmanship, but Alan West is a, is a good man, a solid man. Uh, Raheem, uh, yeah, I tell you, this shows you this map spread, you know, they're going to win down in Texas, but it's going to take time and energy and resources. You're going to have to, people got to understand, everything's in play. That means, you know, not only is this the most important election I think we've had, but it's going to be the toughest and people really got to put their shoulder to the wheel here, and particularly in Texas. So for our audience out there, particularly you Texans uh, that listen to the show, make sure you have uh, Colonel West back and all the new leadership team he's going to be bringing in with him. I want to go back, uh, Raheem, to what you mentioned about the United Kingdom. Mm. And, Jack, here's why I think it's important. This is why I keep pushing these daily meetings. You know, Jack has been talking about, Jack Maxey's been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, if not months. I know you have too, Raheem, where we talked about, 
you know, the opportunity cost of the lockdown, the opportunity cost, particularly with turning over the ICU units to the CCP virus victims, the COVID virus, that, you know, nothing in life is a free free choice. You got to look at the opportunity cost of what it's costing. The British government, I take it, has leaked this report. It's coming out this week. That's one of the things I'd like to see around the table, around the resolute desk. That's why I want Dr. Fauci sitting there with a report, with analytics, with, as Jack calls it, the raw data, briefing the president on exactly what this is, but not have it that, you know, Dr. Sanjay Gupta did it at CNN or Jack Maxey did a war room or we picked it up from the, from the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the University of Washington modeling. One of the things about the New York Times piece, and I think people need to read this, including the deplorables. I realize you don't like reading the New York Times. One of the things it goes back to is that there was no modeling, no independent modeling looked like done, except for some models that Kevin Hassett did uh, by the team. And I think it's very important to have your own models and not go off of, uh, you know, not go off of other universities' models in and of itself. This was what one of the issues they've had with uh, coming out of the, some of the universities in the UK and uh, even University of Washington. But, but Jack, I'd like your I, your opinion here. I think I'd like to see that report. The same thing that the Telegraph is talking about in the UK. I'd like to see that set of analysis uh, done by the uh, either CDC or uh, some aspect of the U.S. government that's advising directly the president of the United States. Uh, absolutely, Steve. And I think I said even three months ago that the real tale of this tape is going to be in the excess death counts. For example, when we looked at the uh, swine flu back in 2009, that's really where they found out how many people were affected. And it took about a year or two to really understand what was going on. Now, we never went into a massive shutdown like we've done this time. But we know, for example, in various other studies, you know, increase in suicide rate, as many as five people per million with each percentage point increase in uh, unemployment. We've had no cancer checkups. All these things are very, very important. And also something that nobody is talking about, the financial condition of hospitals across America is dire. Now, it was dire in many places, particularly rural hospitals before the pandemic, but now they are literally on their knees. Remember, we had no surgeries for two or three months. We had all these things that hospitals normally do as a course of action every day treating people. That went into, uh, you know, standby for several months. So all those people who would have gotten treatment each day didn't. And it's going to be a very big question that I think we need to ask as a culture uh, in the next time that we have some situation like this pandemic, how do we react? We need to look back and determine the good decisions and the bad decisions with data, in my opinion. But this is what, but, but, but Jack, I, I don't think we have the luxury of waiting for the next pandemic. Oh, no. We're still in a surge of the first wave. This, we have a whole second wave that's coming. We're, we're in the surge of a first wave that is impervious to heat and humidity, okay? You couldn't get any hotter than it is on the East Coast are down in uh, in Florida and Texas right now in Arizona, and this thing is on fire, right? So I think that those types of analysis, that's why I think the president needs to do the daily briefing. He needs to get Fauci and Burks and these people, given it, Raheem, yeah. jump in there. 
I do want to make mention of the fact that there is a lot of the damned if you do and damned if you don't about this. I mean, this report from the British government, actually, what they're saying is that, that these numbers were available back in April, but frankly, nobody had basically gone through them. Government Actuary Department, the Home Office, the Office of National Statistics and the Department of Health had put these together that showed that if no action was taken in terms of a lockdown, that 500,000 people could have died from the coronavirus. Now they're obviously coming out and saying, well, you know, maybe the lockdown cost this 200,000 lives. So in, on either side of the equation, a lot of people were going to die. Now you're looking at uh, 50,000 coronavirus, 12,000 to 25,000 delayed healthcare short-term deaths, 185,000 delayed uh, healthcare long-term deaths, between 600 to 12,000 recession-related deaths, 500 suicide-related deaths, and 20 domestic violence-related death cases, um, which is according to this report. It is, it is one of those situations that, and you look at this New York Times piece, this monster piece, where the bylines are all, almost as long as the actual article, and they go through and it's just a litany of what-ifs, what-ifs, and what-ifs, finally ending up and blaming Mark Meadows and, 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 and Dr. Burks for all of this. And you just wonder, was there a way at all that, that these deaths could have been avoided. And you look at look back, we've got to go to a break, but look back at what the Surgeon General said back in February. He said, seriously, people, stop buying masks. They're not effective in preventing the general public from catching the coronavirus. War and pandemic returns in just a moment. With Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. You know, there's a lot of news out there, and the War Room tries to help filter the signal and the noise uh, to bring you the real information, what concerns your daily lives. One of the things we don't often get to enough, Steve, is just something I was reading in the break. I didn't actually even mention it to you guys, but it's the spate of uh, attacks on churches across the United States at the moment. I want to make sure we get into that in the next uh, in the next hour, as, lo- as well as when we discuss uh, uh, the Hagia Sophia and, and so on and so forth. There's a great next hour to come with uh, Maura Moynihan uh, and, and more guests. You're in the war room with Greg Manns, Jack Maxey, and Raheem Kassam. Here, over to Stephen K. Bannon. Yeah, great. Let's get back. Look, it's all imperfect. It's very tough to make these decisions in kind of the fog of war. What you're trying to do is help people make the best decisions possible. That's why I think the president ought to go to this daily uh, meeting uh, and then briefing, uh, you know, the the media to the degree possible every couple of days, but daily meeting with everybody to make sure he's getting the most real time information and he's getting it from the key principles. Greg, I know you've got some uh, assessment of some of the polling that's come in. I realize that the president's base is much more enthusiastic than uh than biden's and you you would naturally think that i mean the president's core supporters not only love the president are big supporters of his program and are are itching for a fight here in november obviously biden is a compromised candidate for the whole democratic uh, left and particularly as they get more and more radicalized you know he i call him the el cid candidate he's just a guy that they put up on a horse after he's already dead uh so uh, greg what's your the assessment particularly i think these uh, president was pretty rough with uh with Chris Wallace about his thinking about the Fox polls that came out. Maria Bartiromo dropped those on me yesterday during her show, but then ABC Washington Post had even, I think, a tougher poll that came out later. So what's your assessment of these, Greg? Yeah, so looking at it, one of the Barry leads is 
like you mentioned, in terms of very enthusiastic supporters, the differential between uh, President Trump and Joe Biden is 69% to 39% of very enthusiastic. And if that translates into turnout, then that's going to be a huge factor in November. What else? What else? Uh, did, did they use they use registered voters for this? They didn't use uh, likely voters. That's, was it registered? That's correct. Unlikely, or was it registered? Registered. What's correct? Just registered. Registered. So what is that? What did the cross tabs tell us on this? Because it was it was fifteen. It was a fifteen point spread, right? And and I think they also had the uh, about his handling of the pandemic. What was the number on the pandemic? So the pandemic is a twenty point spread uh, with Biden leading that. Um, so that that is one issue that is concerning in in this ABC poll, um, where it was only a no, two point. Note to, note to self: we have to close. We have to close that gap. Is it? I think the tightest is on the economy, obviously. Correct. Yeah, exactly. What are the numbers on the economy? We'll gra- we'll grab those. Let's we'll we'll, we'll get back to that uh, that number in just a second, Steve. Yeah. Uh, so look, it, 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 all I go back to is in March. I think it was March fifteenth. I think it was right after he declared uh, the, the travel to Europe closed and uh, and he, and he uh, d- declared a national emer- state of emergency. To, to me, it's pretty evident where the president's taken bold actions on the pandemic. The American people have not only supported him, they they've rewarded him and saying, "Yeah, this is what we want. This is where where you're showing wartime leadership." It was mm-hmm. Jason Miller who's Greg's going over to join the campaign that really came up with the term that we talked about back, I think it was in, in February, saying the president was a wartime president. And to the degree he's acted like a wartime president and engaged with this, you know, the numbers are 51%. Those numbers are now, you know, reversed. They're down in the third, I think the mid to high 30s uh, as far as that. And that's got to be reversed. This is the thing that's on the American people's mind. It's driving so much of American culture. Like, look, you don't even have Major League Baseball. You, you've got... Don't even know if we're going to have a college or pro football season, or if it is, it'll be without uh, without fans. Don't even know what schools are opening, what universities. Everything's kind of up in the air. You know, Drudge had this headline the other day, I think, summer of discontent instead of a summer of love. Uh, and so this is the thing that drives so much of the economic crisis, the financial crisis, and you got to engage in it. That's why I think he goes back to a, a principal's meeting and just there's so much, I think, also happening in the administration. This just the word's just not getting out. They've done such a great job on ventilators. They've done such a great job on PPE, at least part of it. You know, uh, it, they've done such a great job across the board on so many different aspects. I think there's a lot more that they've actually solved. It's just not getting out. And this is not a messaging problem. It's a it's alignment of action with communications and to give that what I call the communications as a force multiplier as far as your actions go. So, Jack, Greg, jump in here. Raheem, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, just going back to the handling of the economy, the approval is at 50% in this ABC poll. Right. Jack? No, I'm, I'm with Greg. I think that the president has to take bold action, as Steve says. People do support him. One thing I get constantly from the feedback from our hashtag war room pandemic is they want the president to take off the gloves. They want people to take back the streets. They're seeing bold Americans stand up to this mob and getting beat down every single night. And they are doing this because they support the president, they support his policies, and they support America. And they want to see the president stand up in front and take advantage of this army of deplorables who have his six. 
Look, I want to say this, Steve. We said this right at the beginning um, of the pandemic. You have to have messaging, branding, uh, repetition, all of that over and over and over again. You have to focus the message. What we did, what do we do right at the beginning? 30 days uh, to save America. 30 days to save America. We had all those different pictures, all those different messages that were coming out of the, of the frankly, uh, tepid uh, documents from the vice president at the time, which were good in terms of what they recommended, but bad in terms of how they were presented. And just like that, this 20-point difference, I guarantee you, you can make up 10 10% of those points. Remember, I've done this before. I did this with Nigel Farage. We did it with the UK Independence Party. We did it during the Brexit campaign. You do it through messaging. Things that can be easily recalled, easily remembered. Things you can put on billboards. Things that you can put on uh, uh, desktop backgrounds. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Reinforce the narrative. And you would close half of that polling gap immediately, Steve. No, I think you're right. You, you close half of it in, five, in, in one working week, five days. If you, but it aligned with action. The thing is, it's action, action, action. You're the driver of the action here. There's so many things that you're already doing. Just let's get make sure that that's in one sort of critical mass so people know about it. That's why I go back to this daily meeting and you brief, you let the press in there. I think every day for a couple of questions. And then every a couple of days, you can maybe go in the Rose Garden and spend 15, 20 minutes. Uh, laying yeah. out your plan, what's happened over the last We're, couple of days, and taking questions. We've got to go to a break. We'll be back with the next episode of War Room Pandemic in just a moment. Make sure you stick around, stay tuned, share the links for those watching and listening live. Greg Mans, Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam, Stephen K. Bannon return in just a moment.